Hi, and welcome to Rise, Pray, Love. This is Casey Baxley. And Kevin Blevins. And we are here tonight to talk about a parable. So last week, we kind of described what a parable meant and why God talked or why Jesus talked in parables. Um, and so we decided we're going to talk tonight about the one that's the farmer scattering the seed. So I'm going to read the story for us first so then we know what it sounds like and what it's in all the details of it. And then we're going to talk through it a little bit. So here we go. Um, I'm reading from Luke. It's Luke 8, and we're going to start in verse 4. One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A father went, farmer went out to the plant a seed. As he scattered it across the field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seeds fell among the rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked it out. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop with 100 times as much as had planted. When he had said all of this, he called out, Anyone who hears should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He replied, You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they looked, when they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. Awesome. Yeah. The seed is God's word being truly spoken from the voice of God. Yes. Because Jesus is God. He is also fully man, and we're not getting into that paradox tonight because right. we're going to talk about seed, which yep. is on the intellectual level that I can operate on. <laughs> so I think we can all understand um, seeds and planting them and how they grow and what, where it's good for them to grow and where it's not good for them to grow. I don't know until you read this parable that you think about that as your walk with Jesus. Well, what Jesus was doing was trying to meet the people where they are. Okay. Okay, so a lot of the people are standing there, and they're trying to decide if they're truly, if they truly believe in this guy or not. Yeah. Right? They, they, see, they, they see what they see, but sometimes they don't even believe what they see. Yeah. Right? Um, so Matthew... Takes, the take he takes on the story of Jesus is to make the point that Jesus is the Messiah of the Old Testament mm -hmm. um, that is predicted in the Torah, okay, right. in the prophets. And so he uh, starts off by showing the, a chronicle of Jesus' birth, and the point of that is that it lines up exactly with what was prophesied in the Old Testament. Okay. And then he goes on to demonstrate how Jesus has authority over all kinds of things that affect us as human beings. And now, Jesus is standing there and, and he's literally got one of, probably one of two purposes here. One is he, he doesn't want to make these people more responsible than they already are for what's about to happen to him, right? For, right. for what's about to go down. And so he, he doesn't, he, he knows that they are looking for the Messiah, but they are in a paradigm that cannot be shifted. 
Yeah. They, they really are married to this idea that the, that the Messiah, if Jesus really is the Messiah, and he's doing these miracles, which could be proving a miraculous sign that was demanded by the law, that if you are the, the Messiah would perform miracles and signs to prove who he is, right? That right. he is truly God. Um, so Jesus is doing miraculous signs. But they're waiting for the next step, which is grab your shovels and pitchforks and let's go take yeah. down Rome. They're expecting this big king right. to come, not right. what we see in Jesus' character as a, right. as a carpenter. And... They are a pr- oppressed people, okay. oppressed by the Roman regime, and Rome, Rome rules mm-hmm. with an iron hand. And so you step out of line, you could pay with your life. And so they want a redeemer to come in and restore Israel to its military might. Gotcha. So that they become the feared ruling power, not Rome. Yeah. And so they keep waiting for the next step. And Jesus wants them to understand that he is the Messiah but it's for this upside-down version of authority where he rules and reigns in the hearts of people mm-hmm. initially and that his rule and reign in the physical realm will happen when he comes again after he's risen from the dead. So he's going to conquer sin and death first, and then he's going to come back and establish his kingdom on, on earth. Yeah. And we as believers in Jesus are still waiting for that day of his return. Right. So, so in this parable where it's talking about, he's talking, but he says a farmer went out to plant his seed. So in that, Jesus is the farmer. Okay. And he is uh, planting the seeds of the gospel. Okay. So as followers of Jesus, could the farmer also be us? Are we... I don't think that's the point of the story. Okay. I've heard it taught that way, and the more I read this, Casey, the less I think that this is about us going out and evangelizing or sharing the gospel. This is about, really about, our, when people are confronted with the gospel, are they going to follow Jesus or not? And it, it is this hard reality that some seeds are going to fall on the footpath. Okay, so the first first seeds that he sets out says, as he scattered it across the field, some seed fell on the footpath where it was stepped on and birds ate it. Yeah, so birds swoop down, take it away. Uh, seed is taken away immediately. Okay. So the spiritual meaning of that is likely that we hear the word but don't understand it. Okay. And so then Satan... Or the evil powers, the one who, the, uh, the ruler of the powers of the air, okay. he's called. Or uh, the great deceiver, uh, the one who, the great Satan who, who wants, is the ruler over this earth. Since, the, since sin and death came into the world. Okay. All right. So he wants to deceive and devour as many as he can. So, I hear the word of God, and I don't really understand it. And before I have a chance to really contemplate it too much, 
ooh, something shiny over here, squirrel. Okay. Right? I mean, something distracts me, something moves me away, and Satan is constantly working, watching and learning our desires and our, and our uh, the things that, that trip us up, and he is ninja by utilizing help from his horde of demons, but also by uh, moving in and through the lives of those who have willingly surrendered to his rule in this world. So if we know people like that today, what can we do? Is there anything we can do? Well, we can we can do what... It, I'm going to get to that. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm going to get to that. The point is, the yeah. hard reality is, some seed is going to fall on the path. Right. Okay? Some seed is going to fall on the rocky ground. Yeah. And so there's no depth of earth there. There's an instant growth, but no root. Yeah. And therefore, the scorching sun comes out and burns it up, right? Right. Okay. The initial reception of the gospel message is there, but persecution, or, so what do you understand about the word? Persecution comes and steals it away, comes and drives it away. So when things Causes get tough, them, yeah. they turn. Right, so somebody calls them a name, yeah. somebody makes things hard for them, yeah. or, you know what, this doesn't fit within the groove of my life. This following Jesus stuff is outside of my comfort zone. I have to, you want me to come to a meeting where people talk about their spiritual journey? Wait, that's, that makes me really vulnerable and I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. Right? That might hurt my feelings. <laughs> right. Um, you know, yeah. I like to make fun of that because sometimes I think we allow our feelings to be our God. Yeah. Um, so we want, we, we need to understand that we are a people under authority and when we have to submit our lives to the authority of Jesus, we fall away. And, and the persecution comes because the world is not going to be glad that we are following the king. Yeah. The world is not going to be glad that we've submitted our lives to the authority of Christ. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Yeah. If you love me, they're going to hate you for it. Yeah. Right? And so when that persecution comes, when people make fun of you because you're a Christian, when they make fun of you because you do things that they don't do, or that you don't do things that they want to do, right. then, then they're going to make fun of you. And that persecution causes some people to fall away because, because they can't hang. The image that I get in my, in my head is, um, you know, like some of the science pictures that we've seen when we were in school and stuff, that's the... The tree that's not quite mature, and then you look underneath the ground and you see all of the roots, but they're really, really, really shallow. Mm -hmm. And then the storm comes, and then it flips on its side, and then all the roots are all of a sudden exposed up to the mm -hmm. top. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the picture that I get right. from, from that. That's a good one. So we have we have seeds that are going to fall on the path, seeds that are going to fall on the rocky ground, and then we have um, those that grow up among the weeds and thorns, right? And they get choked out. So the spiritual application there is, is that people who receive the word and they get compromised by riches and concerns of this life, the worldly concerns, if yeah. you will, the things around them that draw their, their uh, emotions and their heart away from the things of God. Yeah. It's things like, for instance, it, that's why <laughs> we read... It is harder for 
uh, a camel to go through an, the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God? Right. Right? Why? Because he's got so much to lose. Yeah. He has so much. And he spends all this time and energy trying to maintain what he has. Yeah. And I, can, I tell you the truth, man. There are just as many people with fewer means than what we would consider to be wealthy or rich who are just trying to maintain what they have at yeah. all costs. Yeah. And what Jesus wants all of us, from the wealthiest among us to the poorest among us, to do is to yield everything that we are and everything that we have under his authority. Yeah. To give it to him and allow him to rule in our hearts. So... Those weeds that choke out are the things of this earth that can come in and take root and grow up alongside our faith. And yet, when it comes to making a choice, it makes it really difficult to understand what's good plant, what's going to bear fruit in my life, and what's weeds and thorns and thistles. And even when it's clear to me, sometimes it's so hard once those things have taken root and gotten mature, it's hard to pull them out. In fact, if you try to pull them out, it's real likely that you're going to uproot some of the good things that have yeah. come into your life. Yeah. The, yeah. Right? And that's, yeah, that's the hard part. So, um... so all three of these things, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt no, you, but good. all three of these things are hard truths that we have to bump up against. That some people, you know, are going to have their their faith stolen away before it ever really gets established. Mm-hmm. That that sometimes um, persecution is just too much for somebody. They can't take the heat at all, so they just have to get out of the kitchen. Yeah. And then that the, the stuff this world offers is so alluring to our flesh that people allow it in and it takes root and it dilutes what God is trying to do in their life so that they're not able to bear the fruit that he wants them to, to bear. Yeah. And I'm sorry, you were going to say. No, I, that's exactly where I was heading with all that was was being able... And I guess part of what I... When I was reading it too, I was thinking, okay, you know, then you, then you wrestle with the... Were they really ever saved? Were they not saved? Can my salvation be taken? You know, you kind of get into that description. Well, I think we can have a conversation, if you'd like, later about how might this apply to somebody who's following Jesus. But the idea here is is that these people, without, without... So when Jesus comes to us for salvation, we are justified by his death, right? Right. We are justified in him. Then we are in the process of of being sanctified, right? And set apart for his service to bear fruit in his kingdom, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm missing an eyed word in there. Um, Anyway, my point is... I almost had it. Go ahead. My point is that the sanctification process and the justification process, you don't really get one without the other. Okay. So, so when Jesus comes in, we are a new creation. Mm-hmm. Jesus put it to Nicodemus like this, that you have to be born again. Right. And Nicodemus' response really is the answer to the riddle of what does he mean by that? He yeah. says to Jesus, how can a man again, a second time, enter into his mother's womb and be born again? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Because right. of the law. Right. Yeah. So 
So the point is, what, what I'm, why I'm saying that's the answer to the riddle is, we cannot, once we are born in, anew in Christ, we cannot be unborn in him. Jesus said it like this. Uh, those, you know, those people that are, are my followers, uh, God has given them to me, and they are, they are in my Father's hand, and no one can take them out of my Father's hand. There's no way that the, the process can be reversed. Gotcha. So that's why those who read their Bible and, and understand the theology of once saved, always saved, mm-hmm. right? That's what we believe is that we cannot, we cannot lose our salvation. Are there times when I allow the evil one to deceive me and cause me to lose focus on what God has for me, right. and thus I cannot bear fruit. Yes. yes. But that's not what this parable is talking about. This, this parable is not talking about stumbling and falling and sinning. This is talking about the gospel message entering in, taking root, and becoming more mature to bear fruit in the kingdom of God so that more seed can be planted and bear fruit. But when you look at that, can't you determine where you are, which seed, which kind of seed you're, or which kind of soil you're in? I don't know if a person who is not saved can see themselves clearly in this parable. Okay. Now that's my my humble yet accurate opinion. No, <laughs> um, that's um, no. I I think that I think that what I'm what I'm trying to say is is I don't know how a blind person can see. Okay. Right? I get that. So if Jesus has opened our eyes with, through the gospel, I don't know how somebody where the, uh, Satan has come and stolen away their faith. I, I guess I'm not really sure what you, what you mean. Maybe I'm misunderstanding what you're, what you're trying to get to there. But I don't believe what the parable is teaching is that, like I just said, there are times when... I allow Satan to deceive me, and I'm, yet I'm, I'm still a believer. I'm still following Jesus. The difference is I know it, and I recognize it. I get convicted about it, and I'm able to correct it. So you're still in the good soil. Yeah. You're just, you were just because the Well, so we didn't talk about the fourth component here, okay. right? The, the, the tilled ground, yeah. if you will, the good soil. Uh, seed takes root, and there is growth, mm-hmm. Right? So, we hear the word, we understand and receive it, and spiritual, spiritual fruit in the form of human life is born. In other words, we're able to bear the fruit of more people believing in Jesus who then bear the fruit of more people believing in Jesus who therefore bear fruit of more people believing. See what I'm saying? Okay. The, the disciple who makes disciples. Yes. Okay. So... If, in my, in my example, I am deceived, like in the first uh, seed type, mm-hmm. I'm deceived by the evil one before God's word, a truth that he wants me to grasp in my faith journey. Before I can grasp it, I'm distracted by the evil one, and I don't get it. The difference is the Holy Spirit can come and convict me, and I can repent and turn back and grasp that truth. Okay. The person who doesn't receive the gospel is not going to turn back. There, there's, there's no conviction of their sin there. If there is, they will turn and hopefully find the grace of Christ in their life. Okay, so if we're looking at it 
from that perspective, then me as a believer, I'm going to know people that that's happened to. Well, here, here's the, the, the hard facts. And the reason I said these are hard facts, the path is a hard fact. The, yeah. gr- the rocky ground is a hard fact. The weeds are a hard fact. It's because this, this is the perspective of the farmer okay. who has seen the harvest. Gotcha. So he's way after this planting time. Yeah. He's seen the growth come. He's seen the birds fly in and fly out. He's seen the scorching sun burn things up. He's, I mean, all those, all the things. He's seen it all. Yeah. Okay. And he knows that in the end, there are going to be those who are separated for all eternity from him. Right. Because they felt the seed fell on the path or the seed fell on the rocky ground or that was choked out by the weeds. Okay. What he's saying to his disciples is, look, if you're going to follow me, you got to be all in. If you're going to follow me, you got to be ready for the soil to be cultivated and for it to be ready to receive the seed, right? And once you receive it and once it takes root in your life, there's no going back, right? We're not going to let weeds come in and, and choke things out. We're, we're, we're going to stay focused just like the farmer who comes in and, you know, Jesus talks about his father being the, you know, the wine dresser, the, the guy who comes in and takes care of the vine, right? right? And the vine dresser, and he comes in and he pulls the weeds and he cuts off the, the dead branches and piles them up and burns them, right? Mm-hmm. God is not going to allow us to remain whenever the seed takes root in your life. God is going to do the work of the farmer, Okay. And he's going to come in and he's going to pull weeds and he's going to do all the things that are necessary. But that's really not the point of this. The point is, is that when we do share the gospel, we can't control the results. Okay. We're, we're not the one who, who makes the seed grow. That's God's place. Right. We're not the one who uh, causes... Uh, the soil to be rich enough to new, to be new, have the right nutrition for the plants to grow large and full of fruit, right? We're talking about God comes in and says, look, here is my gospel message. Now, I understand why people use this as an evangelism training tool because, because we want to cast seed in this life. We want to go out and spread the gospel. Jesus was talking directly as the farmer to the, the soil. Right. But in his stead, we are sharing the gospel yep. with others, right? And there are still going to be those where the seed falls on the path or the rocky ground or the weeds are going to come in in people's lives that we know. Yeah. You said, what can we do? We can continue to bear fruit in our lives. We can continue to try to bring them along with us to be the kind of people that bear fruit in our lives. There is no greater testimony to how Jesus wants to love somebody in your life than for you to take them with you as you share the love of Jesus with other people. When you have the opportunity to minister or you have the opportunity to care for someone when there's tragedy. Um, This week, I was pulling into a parking place. Okay. And in my big old truck, in a compact space, I bumped the car next to me. I mean, just barely. Yeah. I just barely tapped it. Yeah. And it put a dent in the 
back passenger door on the driver's side of an Audi oh. SUV. Yuck. Uh, it looked like a brand new car. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, I mean, I'll say thankfully, I don't know if it would have saved me any money, but it was a 2020, but it looked like a brand new car. Okay. So I go, well, okay, I, I got to take care of this. Yeah. So I start going shop by shop in this retail strip center, walking in and dealing with the humiliation of saying, does anybody own a gray Audi? Yeah. <laughs> so I finally get to the third place I go in. Uh, there is this very muscular six foot three guy. Uh, I said, does anybody own a gray Audi? He goes, yeah, that's me. And he stands up and, you know, and he's very, it's a very, He's a very imposing physical presence. Yeah. Um, so he comes over to me and he says, uh, yeah. I said, is that your car right there? And he goes, yeah. Did you hit my car? <laughs> and I said, yes, I did. I said, and as we turned to walk out, I said, man, I'm, I'm very sorry that I hit your car. Mostly because you're so big. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. But... I, I was kind of thinking it in the yeah, moment. Yeah. Um, but so we go out and we look at it, and he could tell it wasn't really that bad. Uh, unfortunately, the way that cars have to be repaired, yeah. uh, it, was, it was expensive. <laughs> yeah. um, but he, was, he, he went on and on about, dude, why did you come and find me? Why didn't you just leave? I mean, he was dumbfounded yeah. that, I, that I came in and found him and Casey, honestly, I mean, if I'm being totally transparent, right? I thought about it. Yeah. When I pulled in and I saw that I had bumped his car, I saw it move, right? So I knew, oh, crap, I just hit that guy's car. And I pull in the space and I park and I thought I could back out right now and no one would ever know. Yeah. And I look over and there are two young guys, probably in their early 20s, sitting at a table just outside of a sandwich shop eating their lunch and there's no way they didn't see me right hit that car. <laughs> yeah and now all i can think about is i teach the bible and i i tell people to to live according to the to the teachings of jesus and i'm gonna be a hit and run guy <laughs> yeah I, I just in. yeah well I just I couldn't yeah. get over that this is going to reflect poorly on the one that I say that I serve I mean how can I teach these things out of Jesus's Bible and then go and basically just say well it, it doesn't really apply in this situation right yeah you don't get to choose no and so I I, I felt the pressure that I couldn't afford to cast a shadow yeah. on who he is in my life. So I had to go. I wish I could say, oh no, it was just the right thing to do and I just wanted to do the right thing. Right. No. It was like almost like I could feel Jesus' eyes on me. It's yeah. like I, I, I'm, it's like when your parents walk in on you doing something they expressly told you not to do, right? So yeah. I, I went and, and found the guy and uh, for the next 24 hours, he would text me every once in a while and say, I cannot believe <laughs> that you came and found me. Yeah. 
And so we were able to come to an agreement on a price and we got his car, his car is being fixed now. But the idea is that is a witness to this guy. And at some point I'm going to reach out to him and, and tell him why I was able to find the courage sure. to come and find the person, especially then when I saw him. Yeah. I could have just said, who owns that gray car out there? And when he said me, I could have said, nice car, and left. <laughs> or someone hit it. Yeah. So, hey, somebody hit your car, dude. Yeah. Um, but anyway, my point is is that that those that's Jesus bearing fruit in my life. That's not me being a brave, courageous, upstanding citizen who, sh- who is praiseworthy. No, no, no. Yeah. No. It, it is a battle that goes on in my heart and mind. And I want Jesus to win. And I want other people to be able to see. So what kind of, I mean, conversely, what kind of witness would it have been to this guy if somehow he found our podcast and heard me talking about these things? Hey, that guy hit my car and didn't even tell me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm pretty sure those two guys were going to wrap me up. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's, that's all you can do. I mean, in all of those situations is, you know, that's, that's one of the things growing up that it was all about, um, you know, you have to learn the Roman road. You have to know all of these verses. You have to, and you know, honestly, the people that I have been able to lead to Christ had nothing to do with the fact that I could quote 32, 42, 52 scriptures. It had everything to do with I was able to show them love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, right. faithfulness, and self-control. So when we when we find the the courage and the words and all those things come together by the power of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and no one receives Jesus, yeah, that's the point for us today from yeah. this parable. The point in the day of Jesus, the reason I said to you earlier, this isn't about, Jesus isn't teaching about evangelism. He wasn't. What he was teaching to the people standing there is, look, you've got a choice to make. Yeah. Some of you are prepared to make it, and some of you are not. That was a hard fact. Yeah. The disciples that were going to follow him up into, and then after, you know, after his death, those are the ones that the seed fell on good soil. Yeah. So, Today, as we share the gospel, we need to understand that the faithfulness of God is that he will fulfill his promise. His gospel will fall on the good soil. Yeah, no matter what. We need to scatter the seed. Yeah. We need to share the story. We need to give our testimony. And when we do, God is going to be faithful Mm -hmm. to allow that to bear fruit. Meaning that people will receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. There will be changed lives. And so it doesn't matter if we see it or not. Right. Because some of the seed falls on the path, some of it falls on the rocky ground, some of it gets choked out by the weeds. But we don't get to know which is which necessarily. It doesn't say on there that the farmer gets to see all of those results. Well, when he picked the seed up out of the, the bag and put it in his fist. Yeah. You could have stopped him right there and said, okay, tell me which of these seeds is going to fall on the on the good soil. Yeah. And he couldn't because yeah. he hadn't scattered it yet. Right. So 
we, we are not in charge of what the seed does. We are in charge of scattering it. Yep. Absolutely. And the rest of Luke, it talks about um, the rest of that passage. It says, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, like you said, but only have the devil to come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while and fall away. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message but are all too quick to... Uh, but are all too quickly the messages crowded out by the cares and riches of the pleasure of the worlds. And the seeds that fell on good soil represent those who are honest and good-hearted. Yes. So exactly, I mean, everything that we've been talking about all night is, to me, such an encouragement because it it almost kind of takes the pressure off. I think, I think in... This world, we're so concerned with what the results are, mm-hmm. and me as the people pleaser, I want you to be happy with what I'm telling you, but with this message, I don't, I don't have to, all I'm required to do is give you the gospel. All mm-hmm. I'm required to do is talk about what Jesus is doing in my life. All I'm required to do is tell you that Jesus was born as a baby, grew up to be a man, died on the cross. You know, those are the things I'm required. I'm not, I don't have to worry about the results that are coming back from that. Right. Well, and what did you, how did he describe the person of the seed that fell on the good soil again? He says, whoa, my Bible just like flipped. Um, And the seeds that fell on the good soil represents honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Okay. Patiently produce. Yeah. Here, they're good-hearted, and they hear, and they patiently produce. So Jesus is saying, look, I'm not asking you to worry about what you achieve. Right. I'm asking you to be faithful. I'm asking you to continue. I'm asking you when you stumble to dust your knees off and get up and go again. Yeah. I'm asking you to keep walking forward in your faith. And so Jesus is telling them, look, you're, you're, you're gonna, you can't worry about the results. But, you know, the fact is, Casey, our church is so much of what we do is about comfort, mm-hmm. convenience, and achievement. Right. Absolutely. Right. And so we, we feel like, I can't tell you how many people I've known in my life that for their entire life, and they're old now, right? And they're for their entire life, they've been to Bible study after 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 Bible study. Why? Yeah. Why? They're not is it? Well, no. Hey, look, I, I got no idea. But is it bearing fruit? Yeah. Are they good-hearted people that are patiently producing because if the gospel is being shared in the way that they live because they go to Bible study, then yes, yeah. it's good. If it's another Bible study where they learned something they didn't know, oh my gosh, I never heard it like that before. Right. Great. But is it going to make a difference? 
Are you going to are you going to take it and live it out? Are you going to allow God to express himself through the way that you live now that you've heard the truth? Or is it just tickling your ears to hear a, a creative turn of phrase that you've never heard before? You've never understood that truth that way before. Yeah. What difference is it going to make? Yeah. Cuz then you can't you can't go home and just sit on it. Right. That, you know, I mean, it, it goes back to that's where Rise, Pray, Love came from. Because if you rise up and you um, are, are following Jesus every day and you are reading the scriptures and you're clinging to it like it says here, and then you're praying in to know what God's telling you and what you're supposed to be conversing back and forth with him, and then you're loving that out and showing people what came in the prayer life and what came from your rise up time... You can't help but produce a harvest. There's, there's no other way <laughs> that that right. can be shown. And you may not know. I mean, there are people that I have been graced by that I have known for a season of time, did all the things I thought I was supposed to do, and then they left. And then I find out later that they watched me do hit somebody's car and go tell them and came back to me and said, because of that, I, I now follow Jesus. Mm. And so those are the kinds of things that we have to continue to do. Yeah. That's why I love this parable. Yeah. So yeah. we hope you guys have enjoyed listening to us. And um, we hope you go read this, this parable again. And let it sink in. Um, pray to God and write in your prayer journal uh, you know, what, what he's telling you about how you need to live this parable out. So what address, Casey, are those in Luke? It's Luke 4. Through Luke 8, I'm sorry, Luke 8, verses 4 through 15. There you go. So that way you've got that to look up. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, there are two different ways to do so. You can either join us um, on Facebook at Rise, Pray, Love, or we also have a website, risepraylove.com. Hope you guys have a great week. We'll see you next time. <laughs>